Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everybody, welcome back. I can't get over the fact we're on series 13 of Food for Thought. It really does go to show that it's popular to learn more about your health, about your body, your mind, and I can't thank you enough for the support over the years. It's been absolutely incredible and to come back with another jam-packed series I'm buzzing for this one we've got so many fascinating topics and I know you'll love it for those of you that may not know me let me introduce myself I'm Rhiannon Lambert a registered nutritionist I'm now a Sunday Times best-selling author of the science of nutrition do check out my new book I think it will help a lot of people out there and I'm founder of Retrition, which is one of London's leading private nutrition clinics. So we help all of our clients on a one-to-one basis in a variety of different areas. Now, over the next 12 weeks, my expert guests and I's aim is to expose why so much advice can often be misleading and harness you with the truth. So we'll be using proven science to sort fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Through my experience in the Retrition Clinic, I've come to learn just how widespread pseudoscience is. It's everywhere but I'm betting on the opposite approach, the cold, hard facts. And my ethos is simply to embrace a healthy way of living through the food that we enjoy and the life we lead. So this week's Food for Thought, we're doing things a little differently. I'm so excited for this episode. I have health journalist Jenny Francis, and she is going to be interviewing me on all things nutrition and exploring the latest evidence-based advice, which is in my new book, The Science of Nutrition. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Ree. How are you? <laughs> it's so nice to hear you virtually. It's just so strange. I haven't seen you in, I can officially say years now, which oh is gosh. mad, madness. But thank you so much for interviewing me today. No worries. It's been wonderful. I mean, I've, I've listened to you since you began on podcast and you've been my go-to expert on nutrition stories for years. So yeah. it's such a pleasure to be able to come on and talk to you about your amazing new book. Thanks, hon. Yeah, so the science of nutrition out now. I can't actually believe it. <laughs> yeah, does it feel strange to kind of see it out? Because it must be a long passion project for you. Oh, my goodness. It 
I mean, I think I must have messaged you during the time when I was writing yes. it. It was just, it was just so hard. I think because I obviously had a baby and it was the pandemic and it was working from home with everyone in the house and no childcare for a long time. So I was trying to, you couldn't really get your teeth stuck into it how I wanted at first because I was trying to do the work during the two hour nap in the day and then the other half oh an hour gosh. nap and then bed. But eventually, yeah, it, it's been the, I have to say it's the best thing I think I've ever written. So yeah, I am very oh, proud of it. <laughs> you should be so proud of it. I mean, I kind of want to start with a question. It's just a pe personal question I really want to ask is that, you know, it's so so weird now is that we, it's not that we don't have access to information about nutrition anymore. You know, that in fact, there's a sheer amount of it is huge, but the hardest part for us all who don't know about nutrition is knowing what to believe. Um, you know, this increasing level of misinformation out there. Is that what encouraged you to kind of go back to a title like the science of nutrition? Yeah, you're right. It's the overwhelming amount more so. So when I started in this industry, um, it was more that there, there weren't enough people um, speaking from an evidence-based platform whereas now people have kind of cottoned on to these phrases like oh evidence-based and um this is scientific or here's a study to suggest xyz but they're it's not correct because it's used out of context there's so much pseudoscience online if you cherry pick one study there will be a for and against everything in the world if you look hard enough it's about knowing how to read the literature and i, I think that's where we get a rise of misinformation from we get online health gurus thinking that I guess because they've read something that that's correct without a deeper understanding that we don't have all the answers and that's why I did want to call it the science of nutrition to remind people it's a science it's not nutrition isn't just what you eat every day it's understanding every fundamental aspect of it in terms of the fact that we don't know everything and it's a very new science so yeah, this book hopefully debunks everything in terms of diet myths and it, it will educate people from the get-go on every conceivable question that you're probably confused about. That's the goal of this book. Yeah, and I think like the word science can sometimes like scare people. Oh God, I don't want to know the science nutrition, I just want to know the basics. But that's what this book does and that's what it's done for me is that it has made it more simple and it's gone back to facts when there is so much misinformation out there. Because I think sometimes we we mortals who aren't nutritionists, <laughs> you know, we can get a bad rep if we make a wrong decision with our nutrition or we, we believe something that we hear and people kind of, you know, you can feel silly, can't you? But I think the book doesn't, you know, it does the opposite of make you feel that. It really strips it back. It's not like a big scientific manual where you think no. you don't know what you're doing. It's, it's actually really simple basics and that's what helps you then understand the fundamentals that's what I felt when, I mean I haven't read the whole thing yet I'm about halfway but you know that's <laughs> what it did for me and I think that's yeah. really empowering for people who want to know about nutrition who are just normally like you know so scared of saying the wrong thing about food these days yeah. or making the wrong choice there was no middle ground like you've just said I, mm. I was asked for years I mean when I released Renourish in 2017 that was kind of a starting point but again that was quite um, I would say general and broad and I wanted the opportunity to be an in-between a textbook like you said there was only nutrition textbooks for people that were studying at like degree level or you've got the typical here I am holding a bowl of food here's a load of recipes and here's a little bit of information about nutrition there was no middle line and I wanted something that was accessible oh I'm so passionate about it sorry I'm going off on one but yeah <laughs> oh, like basic, <laughs> basically this is like an encyclopedia 
that's going to help everybody in a really easy, accessible way that does teach you the science in a way because I don't think we should be dumbing it down for people. I think everyone wants to learn. It's just the fact that it doesn't have to be nutritional jargon just for scientists. We can word it differently so it appeals to everyone. Yeah, and it's kind of, I mean, if, if no one's seen it, it's kind of a coffee table book. You know, mm. you haven't put it into like, it's not like a novel where you have to start at the start and read it, you know, page by page and get through the whole thing. It's something that, you know, if you open the page on carbs and you're someone who just knows a lot about macronutrients, you can skip that and get to the, you know, it's very yeah. much something you can pick up, put down. You know, if you had that on a coffee table, one of your friends might be like, oh, interesting, open it up, find a fact, close it. It's it's very, you know, you can come back to it, which I also really liked because sometimes I think when I see, you know, there's books and I think, oh, I've got to start, that's a lot to get through. This doesn't feel like that. Was that a conscious decision to format it like that? Absolutely. Questions and answers. I mean, mm. it's because I feel that the, the only reason you'd open a book like that was if you would, were to have a question like, well, what is metabolism in the first place? Yeah. You know, like, um, it, it, can I actually eat to boost my immunity? Uh, what is gut health? Like, is there a link between my mental health and the food I eat? And they're all questions that I answer in the book, like, what is the best diet in the world? Those are questions that I know people will ask or think of. Mm. And that's how I formatted the book in a Q&A format. So every page has a title with the question at the top. And then I break it down. So you've, you've been given the answer or the facts rather than some long winded thing you have to decipher through a whole book to kind of get to the bottom of. Yeah, and it's really beautiful. You should be really proud of it. Like, the design looks great. It's really appealing to read. It's like, it's really nice. It kind of feels, you know, like each page has got images or like diagrams. And I I personally think that was that was great. And it's all, it's this nice thing to read. Um, But I find that interesting there. Should we, I might just even ask you this question because I feel yes. like I know, but I, you know, what, if you had to say to me right now, what is nutrition, Ray? What, what, how would you define it? <laughs> I think I define nutrition as just learning how to eat well nowadays because it's lost its initial meaning. Just like the word diet now means restriction mm. or weight loss instead of meaning, you know, all the food you put into your body. I would say nutrition means just making sure that you're optimally healthy, that you eat well. That is the key phrase here because it definitely shouldn't mean trends and fads. Um, and just eating greens and a lot of people put the word nutrition and restriction together and it's not what it's about it's mm. about what you put in not what you take out 100 percent mm. it's interesting you say that about words actually because you know i i write about you know yeah. diets a lot but then there's been there has been that huge thing where i didn't want to use the word diet for so long because people immediately thought it meant weight loss so then i started using the word nutrition instead and now it's like should you <laughs> do you know what i mean it's one of those things where the, the word can become demonized so quickly yes. um but it's, again is that why you wanted to always go back to the science of it yeah like I, I think for instance people may just think nutrition is vitamins and minerals but i think it's mm. under it's understanding that it's so much more than just a black and white answer of yes there are you know 12 different B vitamins or you know there's lots of different alphabetical letters for vitamins and minerals and you have to eat a certain amount every day but actually we don't know that for certain because we don't know how much you need as a unique individual these are rough guidelines and mm. it's very vague like you say and people can interpret it in a whole array of ways a lot of it's emotional connection that I think people are, are brought up with and what they see nutrition as I talk about that in my TEDx talk actually on how people see the world of food and um, food is emotive and 
and therefore nutritional science becomes an emotive science which people talk about and get quite passionate about and sometimes you can lose the underlying meaning which is just to eat well like I said rather than yeah taking it in their own perspective it's interesting then what you said and I didn't I did want to ask you this like different people feel different things towards food and I definitely noticed it because I talk a lot about you know nutrition to different people I'm a personal trainer so people ask me questions about food a lot which I'm always like I'm not a nutritionist but <laughs> Different generations have different questions about food and what to eat. And yes. I find that really interesting. And you must see this with your clients all the time. That, you know, if I said to my nan, what is nutrition? And I asked my mum or my little sister, what is nutrition? I would get a different answer from all of them over those different generations. Do you experience this with your clients quite dramatically? A hundred percent in the clinic, a hundred percent. This is why we have an hour and lots of sessions, hopefully. I mean, it can depend. Some people may need one, some may need many, but this is why you need to take the time to get to know a person, understand their beliefs, their thoughts, their processes. It's heavily psychological in the initial consultation because you're getting a background, a health history, and there are some generations that have been brought up in the era of, you know, fat is bad or, and I believe actually we're currently living in an era where calorie counting is on the verge and give it 30 years, we'll look back on calorie counting and think what on earth were we thinking? Just like with the fat really? era. That's how I see the future of, uh, I mean, food in a way that we're, we're learning so much more now that we've oversimplified it completely because we had to for public health messages, but it hasn't worked and it's mm. confused people and created a very disordered space because everybody has a different feeling around it. I think even just acknowledging that, like you've just said, if you spoke to your grandma, um, you know, meat and two veg, or I was doing, um, mm -hmm. what was I speaking about yesterday? It was on social media and I was talking about different cultures around the world. Like some religions believe you shouldn't pair meat and dairy today together. And then if you went to the, if you went to Italy and had a seafood pasta, they'd never dream of adding Parmesan cheese. And every culture has their own way of seeing what, mm -hmm. how food should be eaten and what it actually means. So we just have to embrace that and just acknowledge that everybody's different because we all see it That's so differently. It. Definitely talking about it more and say in like, you know, acknowledging, because I don't think a lot of us even realize what are things about food. If you said to me, like, what's yours? I'd be like, well, I don't have any, but of course I do. You <laughs> mm. know, I've been, I'm, I'm, you know, I was born in the eighties, so I'm a carbs are bad kind of yeah. era, I guess. Yeah um that that sort of thing and maybe yeah then into the calorie counting side whereas my mums and dad are very much probably yeah fat is bad and then you know it's it's and then I think even grandparents it was all about portion sizes not about what yeah. you were eating it was about how much you were eating and that's just even thinking gosh what what have I been taught in my generation yeah. and then acknowledging that could be super powerful 100% so powerful and it's just so confusing and I think the way you mentioned language earlier as well the sense that some people view metabolism as being um, you know your weight referring to how fast your body burns food whereas act actually mm. it's just it's just a simple word for chemical reactions in the body it just takes place to keep us alive literally and of course the food we eat provides the energy we need to even fuel the metabolism in the first place but that word is thrown about over the last, I'd say, few decades and means a complete different thing in every other decade into how we describe it and what terms we use it with. And it's, um, I would say a lot of it's actually what we call diet culture when it comes to yeah. talk about food. Um, 
you know, there's some generations that believe, like you said, portion control or skipping a meal in the in the morning is something that actually I know I've got people in my family, relatives that have done that for years before it even became a dietary trend of fasting, because that's what they did rightly or wrongly to control their body image and their weight. And they didn't have any understanding of why they were doing it. It was just the dumb oh. thing. So, yeah, yeah, we're learning a hell of a lot more now, which is exciting. Oh, yeah, and like, you know, as a health and fitness journalist, my job for years has been to like address the trends in nutrition, whatever comes out next, you know, like, mm. can, can we address this? And God, over the years, there's been a lot. Carbs are bad, fasting's good, charcoal tea, yeah. acai bowls, overnight oats, kale crisps. I mean, like, there's just all of these things. And, you know, I tend to hear of these via social media or via friends, but I'd love to know, do you sense these nutrition trends coming and going? Do you hear about them before we do? Like, you know, do you get a sense of when things are shifting or when certain weird trends are coming on? It's such a good question. It's one that um, often I'm, so as, as a registered nutritionist now, I'm often rung once a year by a certain uh, board that call quite a few dietitians and nutritionists in the UK to gauge how they felt the year has gone. So people that own businesses or have a footfall that's large enough to you know gain that kind of momentum on changes in dietary trends. And they ask for oh. our opinions on things for a survey, which is taken every year. And I remember discussing fiber before gut health became a big thing. I remember right. discussing plant-based foods before suddenly the rise in plant-based diets took off. And at the moment we're talking about kefir and different types of fermented foods. And again, like I said, I think the numbers thing and carbon footprints are going to be huge now. So people are going to want to become more aware eventually in the next, I'd say two to three years of the carbon footprints of their food and where it's traveled from because over the next few years, there's a big target for consumers to become more aware of where their food travels and where it comes mm. from in a push, obviously, for the planet, which I do have a section for on the book, a whole section on sustainability to explain what, what's happening in an easy way. But it is interesting, Jen. I, I do get to... I wouldn't say we always get it right. That's why they ask a collective of people and yeah. sci even scientists studying, you know, around the world to give their opinions. But I feel honoured to even contribute to these types of surveys. And yeah, yeah, it's interesting hearing what comes up in clinic, I guess, and on social media. And it is really nice to know that they do that and with registered yeah. nutritionists. So they're sort of, you know, yeah. really trying to be ahead of the curve and, and that. That is quite, you know, nice to hear. I mean, when you... When you do hear of, you know, so things like fiber and stuff's interesting. When you hear of, um, you know, things like the charcoal tea or, or mm. I don't know, very um, specific. I'd forgotten about the charcoal tea, you know. I'd forgotten until yeah. you brought it up and I was like, oh God, yeah, of course. That was that was awful. It was on every restaurant <gasps> table, like a charcoal stick in a bottle of water. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, these things come out. I can't even think of all of them now. But do when they, when they, when these kind of really specific things, like we were just saying, metabolism boosting or I don't know, detoxifying things and they come around it's just a miracle food that apparently you know we've just been discovered um do you do do you get bored of it are you just like oh for goodness sake another one or do you think no this is what you know I don't know this is what I'm here to talk about let's look into it I mean if I'm being honest it's a mix of the two emotions because one half of my brain is immensely frustrated that we're having to constantly talk about fads and things that are about restriction and things that are hailed as panaceas you know the miracle for everybody and I get frustrated mm. because I know it's not fair and I know it makes money for certain companies and it preys on vulnerable people because let's face it a lot of the work we do in the nutrition clinic and the reason I wrote this book is because 
so many people are struggling and like you said at the beginning it's overwhelming it's confusing people want to have good health they don't not want to be healthy it's just hard to do it so half of me is frustrated and then i've got the motivational factor that you've just said you know the other side of my brain is going right bring it on you know i want to make a difference i'm lucky i can i've got a platform here and you know me and you have done some wonderful features over the years and i think of things and opportunities we've had you know like doing takeaway alternatives demonstrating lower sugar or lower salt options you can still eat delicious food it doesn't have to be restrictive so yeah i'm in two minds i mean i've got a whole section in the book on debunking all these diet myths i go into uh -huh. all of it turmeric which is huge in the winter months and ginger yes. and what the facts are behind it because everywhere i'm seeing these miracle claims surrounding shots of different foods if only it were that simple that we could just take a shot a day or have a vitamin drip which i don't agree with but and that would cure everything you know it's yeah. it's sad i and, think it's that we all yeah. just want that miracle cure don't yeah, we like as much we as we do. don't like to think we do that's kind of what we all want so when there is that whole like you know some mark some clever marketing person you know <laughs> figures out the new buzzword and manages to say oh this is you know somehow they can say this is going to be the miracle thing yeah. shot you have and yeah. it's so easy we're so vulnerable to it because it's what we want we just kind of want to believe it so badly that we do I mean, it's a basic understanding of food like people i'm, I'm betting I'm, I'm taking a bet a lot of my listeners wouldn't know the difference between a legume and a pulse yet they would know what spirulina is and they would have heard of like you said the charcoal drinks and that to me mm. it just screams volumes because you know a, a pulse is just the dried seed of a legume like you know you take a green bean you take the bean out the bean is the pulse the whole green bean shoot is a legume and that's what we need to be eating more of yet we're not educated that's why i've got a whole page on that as well in the book but that's why because we we spend so much time in the media focusing on these things that just are not what nutrition's all about at all. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And that's actually like what why the book and and everything you do really is so great because if once you get empowered by learning the basic science behind food and you spend the time to do that when you see these trends you're empowered to be like hang on a minute but i read this in Reed's book and that doesn't make sense so that can't be right you know you've got that yeah. empowerment from knowing the basics and learning that that you can then really 
without even having to go ask you, you know, you can debunk those in your own mind because you're like, yeah. that does not ring true <laughs> to me. Because I think people know, Jen, like, I don't want to... I think people treat the general public that are not obviously health professionals like imbeciles. And just being played, mm. but you're not. Everyone listening, you are so smart and intelligent and you know that a poor diet is probably one that's too high in salt, too high in sugar, and you're eating a lot of ultra-processed foods. People know that now. You know, it's not, mm. it's not rocket science. And this is why I obviously will cover elements of that, but I go into the details. I want people to know the confusion around, should we actually be eating less meat? Is meat and fish mm. now not the same quality as it was before? Should I be eating it? Should I not? Is it bad? You know, what can we learn from people that eat over in Asia or in the Mediterranean? Why on earth is this happening in the world right now? What can I do about it? And I, I really delve into all of that and try and help mm. people understand how to work on their gut bacteria and the link between their body weight. And and also nutrition is so much more than just weight, isn't it? it it's about living a long, healthy a healthy life what about dementia yeah. i discussed that you know eating to keep your brain healthy and wired because i think there's too much focus as well on bmi and physical appearance and bmi is not an accurate mm -hmm. measure it's actually very problematic at the moment and it's interesting that actually because now more than ever with the pandemic and everything we've gone through you know, nutrition and immunity is a fantastic mm. trend, in my opinion. I mean, I could be wrong, but like the fact that people are thinking about their food aside from their body weight, aside from anything else, they're really thinking about maybe what I can eat can really help protect me and keep me really healthy. And that's a, that's something that I think is fantastic. I mean, yeah. maybe we can touch on that. How yeah. does, what, how strong is that link between what we eat and our immunity and our health? Oh, abs absolutely. And Again, like you said, there will be those people that have made claims to do with immunity and diet, which are not correct because they're jumping on a bandwagon. So as listeners, you kind of have to put your um, investigator hat on and just think, right, what is a red flag? And a red flag is anyone that uses the claim you can boost your immunity through food because you can't actually. You don't want to be boosting your immune response because then your body goes into overdrive and you've got too many white blood cells circulating. It can actually be very dangerous. What you want to be doing is people that use the word support the immune system and you can support it through your diet. And that means getting your key vitamins and minerals, getting your vitamin A, which supports the immune cell production or vitamin B6. Now, there's lots of vitamin Bs, guys, by the way, there's like B1, B2, <laughs> B6, B12. They've all got their different names, but they all play such an important role for processing antibodies, which are like our fighters in our body, which help fight away all the bad stuff and it's getting your vitamin d supplement in which i'm very passionate about in the winter months we know that's linked to a reduced immune response if you're not taking vitamin d your immune system will be weaker and then there's the key little micronutrients the things like selenium which you've probably heard of before you can get it in brazil nuts that's the thing that most people tend to know about selenium but that's involved in the production of the immune cells so building them which is absolutely mind-blowing and zinc and we've got anyway it's i'm not going to go through it all in it because it is it's all no, but in the it book, is fascinating but, isn't it that yeah. we can really you know the things we eat which is something we do every day anyway so it's not adding to anything it's just what we're eating and just knowing mm. again that we can really boost our immunity i mean this is going to be i mean this is something that you're not meant to say at all anymore about bad foods and good foods yeah, which yeah. i totally understand but my question to you is are there bad foods as in 
these ultra processed foods that we're now more aware of and we're all talking mm. about we know they're not good for us are we allowed to call those bad foods Rhiannon like what <laughs> you know, I'm just interested in your opinion because like, I, I feel strongly like I don't it's like hard. to demonize food and all of yeah. that but I just keep hearing all these really negative things and I don't hear anything positive about them right. like there's nothing other than the fact that sometimes they can taste delicious what <laughs> what are we saying about them ultimate question thank you so much and i think you've hit the nail on the head for everybody listening probably feels equally as frustrated it's a general a general what's the word i said generational generalization no i'd say generational actually because Ah. i think in terms of generations how we describe food that's what good and bad has come from and there is logic behind it so of course there's logic we know that 70 percent of our immune system lives in our gut including 80% of our body's what we call immunoglobulins, which are fighter, um, you know, protecting type cells. So we know that what you eat has an impact on your gut health, has an impact on your immune response. Your immune response and your gut are practically together. So when we say bad foods, they're just foods that don't give you as much. So if someone's referring to a bad food, it's not that it's going to be bad for your body, because it will contain nutrition. If I take a burger, for, for example, Um, Okay, a lot of ultra processed food here, but it will still contain protein, probably contain iron if you've got red meat in that burger, or if it's a plant based Mm. burger, you might have some fiber. So all foods give you some sort of nourishment. It's just some foods are better than others at providing certain key elements and the way the digestion works as well. Our body doesn't recognize ultra processed foods in the same way that it does if you're cooking from scratch. We have that data now that you absorb 50% less energy if you cook from scratch versus consuming wow. an ultra processed food. Yeah. So wow. a cheese sandwich is the example that I've probably spoken about before on this podcast, but using the American luscious ultra processed cheese, you know, they put in burgers mm. um, that melts amazingly versus cutting a slice of cheddar yourself at home probably and putting it with some bread that you may have just made like a fresh sourdough loaf or some whole grain bread at home you won't use all the energy because your body recognizes it differently it's a lot of fiber in that as well whereas we've gone through so much processing to produce the packaged item that it's very quick to absorb into our bloodstream so for some but then you've got the other debate that this is a public health nutrition debate. Some people just can't afford to eat in a certain way. We've got huge discrepancies, socioeconomic discrepancies in what people can and can't afford, what they enjoy. Having those items every now and again is great, but if you're in a position where you can afford to eat in a different way, then I would encourage you to try and get that kind of balance between ultra processed foods and cooking from scratch as much as you possibly can or the quality of food you do consume because there's no denying that of course the better the diet in that sense the better for you but it doesn't mean you'll be deficient in vitamins and minerals if you live off ultra processed foods so does that kind of explain the difference yeah it it does and it's actually interesting to know that you know there is there's most there is some goodness in pretty much everything we even if it's ultra process. I guess like I just hear things, you know, that, that it really impacts our that we become addicted to it. You know, some mm. of the chemicals are bad for us, or, or you know, ultra refined sugars are just they don't do anything good, and it confuses me because you know I eat a really healthy diet, but of course I'll have a takeaway every now and then, like most people, or you know, yeah. you, you know. But I try and balance it out. But then when I hear these things about like you know just having one ultra processed meal is as bad for you as having a cigarette or I don't know what oh, these no. claims I've seen or yeah. as bad for you as drinking a bottle of wine or I don't know and I think oh gosh maybe I shouldn't you know maybe it's not just about that so it's interesting to know that it's not 
necessarily that bad. Yeah, it's a lot of scaremongering. I mean, these items wouldn't be allowed to be sold if they were that bad, if you see what I mean. I mean, they're heavily yes. rigorously researched. They would not be out there. And it is just about the percentage of time you choose to consume them. And for some people, there's so there's a genetic element here as well, and also epidemiology. And so I think it's Professor Tim Spector at King's College. He um, does a lot of research on different blood sugar responses to foods. And he's found that some people will respond completely differently to chocolate, like someone, it may not even spike their blood sugar levels, whereas another person mm -hmm. it would. So you've got individual unique differences to how you respond to food in the first place. And these scary toxic claims, I've actually got a whole section on marketing buzzwords and media words mm -hmm. that are used um, in the book just to clarify what they actually mean, because things can equally be marketed to sound healthy, and they're not, you know, they can say it's natural, which doesn't mean anything. Yes. Um, it literally does not mean it's natural at all. Um, and to make these claims, you just have to reach certain criteria. But I feel you, Jen, I'm so glad you brought that up because I get very passionate about that within the clinic. There's a lot of unpicking to do with our clients just as I think this book will show people, you think, oh, hang on a minute, this is what I've believed my whole life and I'm about to read something that's going to tell me that there's a different side to the story. How do I feel about that? And it's quite a lot to digest. Mm. Yeah, guess a lot to digest. But also, I guess, like you were saying, is <laughs> it's your own personal decision then, isn't it? It's not yeah. like you don't read the science of nutrition and come away with like, like you were saying, I now know the perfect diet and I'm going to eat that. It's like, you find out all the stuff, you look at what you like to eat, and then you make your own decisions based on it. But that's then your decisions rather than just feeling like you're completely lost and you don't really know what you should be doing. And you're just kind of eating whatever, you know, it's it's that whole make it personal to you, mm. <laughs> make it Absolutely. work for you. And if you're in a family versus if you're living on your own, just all of that stuff, make it your personal choices yeah and if you are living you know on your own or if you're susceptible to poor mental health as well then you'll know that diet can actually play a role so diet's got these other benefits and aspects to it with the choices you make so you might be able to acknowledge i don't feel my best today maybe it's because i haven't eaten in the way i usually do today you know i've had a work christmas do or i've, I've had gingerbread men snacks for breakfast which is what i did this hmm. morning um you know there's all, all these sorts of things and you're like why do i feel a bit sluggish oh that's why and it, there is a link between food and mental health uh, and you know there is a link between eating mindfully and how that impacts our digestion and how that impacts our our mood every day and i loved writing about all that research it was so great to do but it really is important to just be armed with knowledge because like you said you make the decision you have the power to do something different it's not going to be overnight but over a period of time you might actually notice it and it's quite exciting it's really exciting and also like you say i mean eating is something we all do every day there's not much else that you know we all do it every day but we know so little about it so it's so fascinating and exciting when you when you pick up a book like yours and you, you kind of you're like well i do all this it's not like a whole new subject you're like i'm gonna start something new in my life i've not done before we, we eat it every day you know it's finding out about stuff that we're already doing which i think 
that's really fascinating in itself that, you know, we do it every day and we don't think about it. Um, mm. You know, I've read a stat once about how much we just eat the same things all the time. We don't really go outside our comfort zone. I was like, that's not me. And then I was like, oh, gosh, no, it is. <laughs> it is because, yeah, if you look at your time. shopping basket, exactly. It's, it's, yes. And we know now, this is why I think the future is moving away from calorie counting, Jen, because... Right. I think the future is about getting the most diversity you can in your diet in a time where we might have to decrease the variety we have on the shop shelves and we're going to have to learn more because we can't keep sustainably eating in the way we do having mangoes out of season every year, you know, all these sorts yeah. of things we do. And it's sad but true that I do think times will change in the next decade or so. But if we learn that your veg every week is a carrot, a parsnip, some tomatoes broccoli and peas or whatever why don't you pick a different vegetable instead and just keep testing yourself each week and just learning that there's little things you can do and it is everybody will have a little thing but equally if this is becoming damaging to your mental health like if, the, if this decision or conversation around food is overwhelming you're causing you anxiety just switch off for a while and forget about it block it out and come back to it at a time when you're ready to deal with it because equally here we have to remember that food should be enjoyed and I think that can often mm. get lost as well yeah absolutely okay so going on from that I've been we've got some questions from your followers which I want to ask and the yes. first is really fantastic from Henry and he says my girlfriend keeps telling me off when I snack is snacking actually bad for us now I love this because I think every couple tells each other off and I think I think I I mean I've not not tell my partner off for snacking but I tell him off for some things he does to do with his nutrition so Henry um yeah you know is snacking actually bad for us Brie? <laughs> Oh dear, Henry. Um, I'm <laughs> laughing, but I, I know what it I know what it can be like. No, of course it's not bad for you. Um, I think it depends how frequently you're snacking or what you're snacking on, if it's necessary or not. Sometimes it doesn't have to be necessary, but if it's become a habit that's not useful or not serving you, maybe it's one just to kind of rein back on a little bit for some people. Other people need to snack all the time because their blood sugar levels drop so low. So it really is about your unique response to food, but try picking sensible snacks or something with a bit of protein, maybe a bit of carbohydrate or fiber for energy rather than like I, I did this morning, the gingerbread biscuit or something. Try and go for, I don't know, an apple and some nuts, just something a bit more nutritious. <laughs> So is it like, when it when it comes to snacks though, and I'm just asking, I'm jumping on Henry's question here, but is it that the actual, is, is more what snack we choose or is the actual act of snacking in between meals bad for us? No, so there's a big misconception that it's really bad for your gut. This is an individual response to food. So it really depends on how your digestion ticks, which is something that obviously I, I can't know across the podcast until I work with someone in the clinic. Yeah. But you'll figure it out if you're not experiencing good poos every day and you're constantly feeling bloated maybe or you've got digestive discomfort then we need to figure out if there's something going on there we've got a gut health section in the retrition clinic where we do this a lot but for some people it's just the sensible choices like if it's going to keep you going between breakfast and lunch have a mid-morning snack and the same in the evening I think the time where most people actually need to snack is if they ate lunch at 12 and they don't have dinner till they get home at seven or eight often they'll make poorer choices at dinner because they're so hungry. So having a snack around four o'clock, something sensible, 
um, like a yogurt or like I said, a piece of fruit or a homemade oat bar, even a bit of leftovers from lunch. You could have an egg muffin you've got leftover or something. Mm. That is going to keep your blood sugar levels steady, keep your productivity higher and enable you to eat maybe less at dinner or a healthier dinner if you're someone that tends to overeat in the evening. So there's there's lots of angles to look at snacking with actually. Yeah. You just hit my that's four o'clock is my prime yeah. snacking time. It's like every it's like an alarm goes off. I'm like, God, I'm hungry. Look at the time. It's pretty much bang on four every day. Yeah, me it's too. So weird. I know. I feel like I eat dinner <laughs> at four to be honest sometimes. Yeah. Uh, um, and secondly, Millie, um, she says, I'm terrible with portion sizes. What is the right amount to aim for at each meal time? This is interesting because I think we think we know now, but do we actually? So in terms of um, portion sizes, I think people are getting better. It's very difficult when you're out at a restaurant, which is when maybe you should just let it go or if you've bought a ready meal, but I have a page on the book on how to really work this out. And I often use hand-sized portions as rough guides for carbohydrates and proteins and how much a veg should be on your plate. But if you look at the Eat Well guide and the Eat Well plate, it will tell you, you know, a third of your plate should be X and a quarter should be Y. And have a look at these different images and then really get a feel for as long as your plate has your carbs, your protein and a lot of veg on there, that's probably a good balance because sometimes it can be very carb heavy. So the whole plate might be full of pasta and you've got a tiny bit of pasta sauce. Um, which occasionally is fine. But like I said, if you're looking at this every single day, it's probably not the best choice. So you need to make sure you've got the balance there to be optimally healthy. Yeah, fantastic. Um, okay, it's time for fact or fiction. I feel like I'm on a game show. Fact or fiction. <laughs> you're very good, Jen. You should, yeah, you're very good. You should definitely have a show. <laughs> so let's just reel through these because I love these sort of quick fire things. Um, so let's go for it. Nutritional choices won't affect how you age. Mm. Fiction, because <laughs> actually there is more research than not now pointing towards the impact on your brain and your skin and your muscle, even your bone density, you know, like osteoporosis. Anyway, yes, mm. fiction, fiction. Okay. Caffeine has no health benefits. Fiction. Although sometimes for some people that, that would be a fact because it just doesn't enhance their quality of life. It just won't work for them. But for some people, it might really help with productivity. It can relax them. There's research for and against caffeine. But overwhelmingly, I would have to say that fiction because it does have some benefits. Thank goodness you'd have broken my heart if you'd have said fact. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, stress can cause you to bloat fact because it disrupts the digestive process which can in turn trigger a bit more bloating. You know, it's one of the most common things in the clinic that and often it's not the really? diet stress yeah all uh, the time everyone should try to lower the FODMAP everyone should try the low FODMAP diet no fiction absolutely not highly restrictive only should be done with a health professional or a registered dietitian absolutely not amazing you should aim to eat 30 plants a week. So fact, and I get this sounds really overwhelming, but we're including things like herbs and spices here that can right. count towards your points. So, you know, just chucking a little bit of the turmeric, even if the benefits aren't whatever, or the herbs, it's all good for your gut. So mm. yeah, mu as much variety, fact. Wow, 30. Um, mm. 
six, exercising is the quickest way to lose weight. Fiction, fiction. Mm. You'll have to read the book for more of a summary on that one. <laughs> oh. um, seven, being slim is always healthy. Fiction, definitely not. You can be slim and be very unhealthy. It's a huge misconception because often if you're overweight, a lot of the attention is focused on that. But actually, at all sizes and shapes, you cannot be a healthy individual. Diets don't work. Fact in the sense the word diet is a trend restrictive time placed unrealistic thing yeah mm -hmm. uh, you can only get vitamin d from the sun uh fiction you can get good supplements these days definitely in the winter months get your 10 micrograms in <laughs> amazing and finally iron deficiency is the most common nutritional deficiency oh Gosh, this, you probably pulled this from my book and I can't even remember if it's the most common one. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm going to say that it definitely would be a fact. It is probably most likely one of the most common ones, I think, I because it's one of the most common ones for teenage girls and for women in the UK. So based on the fact that 51% of the population are female and 50% are male, I'm going to say that's a fact. And we'll have to read my book to see if I was right or wrong. <laughs> You're very diplomatic at the end. It's the one that I always hear about. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, iron deficiency seems to be the big one that people talk about. So fantastic. Well, there we go. Factual fiction completed. Well done. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Jen. Oh, I've loved this conversation. I'm so sad because that means we wrap up the, the, the episode. And it's um, honestly been such an amazing conversation. I can't thank you enough for... Um, leading me through it i think now we normally both finish with our take-home messages our food for thoughts so um do you have a take-home message jen that after chatting with me today that you have anything you think our listeners would benefit from yeah i mean really when i every time i speak to you it just makes me relax when i think about nutrition i think you know i work out a lot and i can overthink you know am i getting enough protein am i am i getting enough of this is this going to affect my sleep you know sometimes it, i can get a little overwhelmed with it and i think when i speak to you and i listen to what you say it kind of makes me more relax more and think you know we're all on this learning journey together as long mm. as we're doing the most we can don't over worry about anything you know the way you talk about things you know even ultra processed food you know okay we shouldn't have it all the time but it's not gonna you're not gonna drop down dead the minute you eat one thing and I think like I every time I speak to you it makes me chill out a lot more and I just think gosh yeah you know we're all navigating this together we're all doing the best we can and if if we just try and remember these things you know remember things about nutrition as we go through our day it can benefit us and, and that's that's it for me it makes me feel like much more relaxed and happy about my choices every time I speak to you and I think that's that's a really positive thing for me. Oh, yeah, that's quite emotional. I was grinning here. That's so lovely, Aww. Jenny. I'm honestly, that makes me so happy. I think, I, I, I hope, I hope that's what everyone gets from the Food for Thought podcast. Mm. And I really, again, it's um, yeah. I hope that you can all enjoy the the book, the Science of Nutrition, in the way that you know I've enjoyed the hours and hours of research that has gone into it because <laughs> you know ultimately it it does cover. I just want to help basically and it gets to the point remember I said in an episode where 50% of my brain is frustrated with all the confusion and overwhelming things and I'm not pretending I have all the answers but what I can do is give everybody the tools to be able to make more decisions themselves rather than being sucked into these 
these dietary traps. And yeah, I just hope this episode, the book, and I, I guess everything over nutrition will empower all of you to explore it all and equip yourselves with the knowledge, I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, Jenny, thank you so so much for coming on oh, food cool. for thought today I and absolutely for... love it. it's been a really great excuse to excuse to catch up as well <laughs> do you know it really has been a good natter i miss it so much and for everyone that's listening where can they go to find out what you're up to at the moment because obviously you're not writing where you were before now oh yeah no that's really kind i mean my i have an instagram it's jenny francis 23 i i mean i'm all about i love the exercise um but you know all about kind of moving your body and i'm working with a few really interesting people in the new year training um frankie bridge yeah. and lucy mecklenburg so if you if you're interested in them and how they keep themselves like fit and happy and healthy then yeah head over to my instagram so exciting thank you jen and for everyone listening Not the science of nutrition is available every everywhere i think every bookstore hopefully most countries by this point this episode's out and if you would like to leave a review let me know how you got on on amazon if you've purchased there that would mean the absolute world so i can actually hear that i hope it's doing what it should be doing jenny thank you so much for coming on food for thought so welcome go and buy her book it's amazing <laughs> thank you if you've all enjoyed Food for Thought, you're going to love what's coming up. We've got so many amazing episodes. So if you're not already, make sure you subscribe because that way it will just pop up and tell you it's ready for you to listen to every single Monday. And it would be brilliant if you have time to leave a review. I know now and understand that these reviews of how you feel the podcast goes or if you learn anything from it can help other people reach it and hopefully they'll be able to take a lot away from it too. So for more information about my best-selling book, The Science of Nutrition, please do let me know if you've got your copy. The Nutrition Clinic, if you want to book in and get some advice, healthy recipes, and so much more, please go and visit retrition.com. And you can follow me at retrition on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com